Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson for this week comes from Mark, the seventh chapter. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, that he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on them, uh, on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, put his finger into his ears, and spat and touched his tongue. He looked, Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephtatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing up in Iowa, I had a fair amount, or we had a fair amount of pride in the whole thing, but also a sense of smallness, smallness compared to other parts of the United States. There were a few celebrities that emerged from our farmlands, but not many. There were a few movies and shows set within our rolling hills. But even though the angelic character in the field of dreams innocently asks his son, is this heaven? Most of us who woke up in the state every day felt our existence was far from heavenly. If you wanted to see the cultural movers and shakers in America, you had to go to California or New York or pretty much anywhere else and simply fly over Iowa. If you wanted to see the mountainous wonders of America's vast wilderness, one had to travel to Utah or Arizona, or wait for it, Montana. (laughs) (laughs) 
Side note, that's why we do so well at the camp attracting counselors from the Midwest. <laughs> if one wanted to see the cities where things happen, they would need to travel to Chicago or St. Louis, Minneapolis or farther. Surely not to Des Moines. It was easy to feel small and out of the way in a place that was overlooked, comparatively simple, quiet, steady, and unnoticed. In a country like ours, where traits like bigness and greatness are heralded as cultural virtues, it constantly felt like our mid-sized state of farmer, farmers and public school teachers could not compete with areas of high financiers, world-renowned celebrities, myriads of high-rise headquarters and skyscrapers, or many of the other things that make uh, that America is known for throughout the world. When I hear Jesus disparage the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, calling her a dog unworthy of the Messiah's healing, I think back to feeling small or lesser than because of where I come from. The woman and her daughter both remain nameless to this day. Now, it is common for various people we run across in the Bible to remain nameless. But what is unique in uh, the woman and her daughter's situation is that they were defined by where they were from and who they come from. They were Gentiles. More specifically, they were translated literally as Greeks. But we shouldn't just think of Greece as a country, but uh, more broadly you know, non-Jews. And they were from the Syro-Phoenician area of the Mediterranean. For nameless people in the Bible to be defined by where they come from is, again, fairly common in both the Old and New Testaments. What is unique here is that the woman and her daughter were immediately disparaged for where they come from. Now, this is rare in the Gospels in the New Testament. Finally, this is the only occurrence, along with its twin in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus defines somebody by where they are from, and then Jesus imme immediately disparages them for where they come from. It is quite unsettling to hear from the man who made a way for prostitutes and tax collectors, the worst kinds of sinners of his day, but seemed to refuse to do the same for somebody, simply because they were not Jewish. Now, many throughout the centuries have tried to dismiss this interpretation of the text. Some say that Jesus did not really dismiss the woman and her daughter. He was merely testing her, and she passed. Others try to argue that this was actually a display of the wideness of Christ's grace and mercy, since he ended up providing the exorcism healing, while also recognizing that the woman and daughter were outside of the chosen children of Israel, and then healing the daughter anyway. Still others try to argue that Jesus was somehow mimicking or play-acting how others would respond to her request. 
only to end up counteracting the prejudicial norms of his day by providing healing to the unwanted and the undesirable. There's long been great yearnings amongst biblical interpreters to get Jesus off the hook somehow for the scene in which he dismisses a vulnerable woman and her even more vulnerable daughter. Now the desire to make Jesus look different than the Bible portrays him is understandable. Jesus comes off as kind of a jerk here, which is very unlike him. Now if my daughter, Freya, was in need of healing, and I went to Jesus um, <clears throat> when he was out ministering, I asked him to heal her, but he said, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. I would have had some choice words with the man. I'm not a very violent guy. But I would have let Jesus know in no uncertain terms that my daughter is not a dog. I suspect that many of us here would go to bat for our children too. Even if it meant directly confronting the Savior of the world. So what do we make of this passage then? First, it is important that we take the Bible seriously and listen to Jesus at face value. He was saying that his ministry was first to the Judean descendants of Abraham, who had strayed, been conquered and exiled, and now had suffered under Roman, Roman oppression for decades. Well, he revealed that his mission was ultimately for the whole world. He meant to save us through a particular people, at a particular time, in a particular place. Jesus was a real guy with a real distinct place in human history. While the miracle of his resurrection transcends time and space, at least in the end, his incarnation into our world was very much the opposite. Like you and me, he lived a set span of years, walked on distinct roads, walked on seas for that matter, was a real breathing person. As such, his earthly mission was primarily set among and for the Jewish people on behalf of the world. Now then, recognizing this, we should still resist urges to let Jesus off the hook when he offends our sensibilities. To do so would, to make, would be to make Jesus more like what we want him to be, instead of what the biblical writers, who knew him far better than we do, best believe that we should see him as. Princeton Seminaries, Otto A. Piper, Professor of Biblical Theology. I had to work in his title for my son's sake. <laughs> Otto A. Piper, Professor. Now this professor named C. Clifton Blackton, or, sorry, C. Clifton Black, wrote in his commentary on this passage, 
Jesus flummoxes everyone who boxes him into conventional expectations. The pious, his family, his disciples, and even some petitioners. If we too are not gobsmacked, it's a safe bet that we have domesticated Jesus and have neutered the gospel. We should resist putting Jesus in a box and let the words of the text move on us, no matter how disturbing they might be. Instead, it is my hope that we can sit with the fact that Jesus truly did insult the woman. And worse yet, he insulted her daughter in deep and cutting ways. Yet, the fact that she still sought his healing in spite of the insults that he threw at her shows us that Jesus heals in response to desperation. Her response to Jesus' dismissal of her daughter's demon possession says a lot. She answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She did not try to correct Jesus or react defensively. She did not try to prove her worth or tell Jesus to take a hike or any emotional reaction like that. Instead, she proved her desperation and the clutches of evil by accepting the slander and still begging her offender to defeat the evil in her beloved daughter. The devil held her little one in his clutches. And she would seemingly endure anything to take that evil from her little girl. Jesus responded to her desperation by freeing the girl from afar. We should take great hope that Jesus responds to human desperation. This past year and a half has, taught, has reminded us of anything. I suppose it's reminded us of a lot of things, but if it's reminded us of anything, it is that we are mortal and we are vulnerable. But we might have times in our lives when we feel strong, capable, have things together. The very best we can hope for is that those times will only fade slowly instead of being grasped from us suddenly. Let's say a car crash, a fatal diagnosis, school shooting, God forbid. Or the tragic events that we remember happened 20 years ago this week, on September 11th, in which thousands died. Or any of the other millions of other ways that life can be taken from us in an instant. Like it or not, we all find ourselves in desperate circumstances at one time or another. The good news from our gospel passage this week, though, is that it was out of the woman's desperation that her daughter was freed from the demon. Jesus responded precisely to the fact that they were in need and poured out the power of God's goodness in response. She was healed because she needed healing, 
And Christ healed her because he saw her need. This is good news for the whole world. Additionally, in both the story of the daughter's healing and the story of the death or tongue-tied man, I guess however you describe him, that Jesus healed, we should not miss the fact that it was others who advocated for healing on behalf of the ones who needed it most. The mother pleaded for her daughter, and the deaf man was brought to Jesus by a nameless group who also advocated that his hearing and his speech be restored. This is a powerful lesson for us. The desperation to which Jesus responds is not seen in the desperate people alone, but heard through the prayers of those who ask God for their healing on behalf of the ones in need. God responds to the prayers of parents for their children. And pleas of friends for the comrades. The yearnings of all of us for one another. We can be reassured that when we beseech Jesus for the healing and well-being of those we care about, Jesus responds to our prayers. Sometimes Jesus is not as easy, easy to take as we would like him to be. Whether we wish him to be more of a gentle guy, uh, more of, say, a homeowner, more of a warrior, more of a friend of the status quo, more of a rich guy, whatever else we envision him to be, he will never be boxed in. He will always challenge any limitations or categories that we put on him. Yet, we should be glad of this fact. We should rejoice, because for all the joys, peace, and comforts we may experience in this world, they will always come up short in one way or another. And when they do, and our situations turn desperate, Jesus will always be there. At the end, with plenty of healing to go around. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book, called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.